Well, hello and welcome back to the Two Kinky Women podcast, where we dish about everything kink. I am your co-host, Midnight Lady, and my partner in crime is Mistress Gabrielle. Hello, hello. Hello, everybody. Glad that you are able to uh, connect with us today. We're going to have something very interesting to talk about. Um, we, um, Midnight Lady and myself, we think this is a very, very important conversation. And uh, so let's get started. Midnight Lady, what is today's conversation about? Uh, we're going to be discussing mental health and the kink scene. Ah, okay. Does mental health challenges preclude you from playing and being a part of your kink community? I like to say it does not preclude you from uh, playing and being a part of your kink community and engaging in risk-aware kink and power exchange dynamics. It can be somewhat more challenging, definitely more challenging, depending on your mental health diagnosis and what you struggle with and what you are managing. Uh, If you're on medication, if you're not on medication, how... And what form does your mental health challenges take? And just briefly, they could be depression, anxiety, OCD, um, dissociation, uh, dissociative issues, um, bipolar. But I think what's really important is that you know yourself. Yes. Um, and you know what you can tolerate and what you cannot tolerate. Uh, there is no way, in my mind anyway, that kink is a substitute for therapy. There is no question about that. Um, as far as I'm concerned, there are a lot of people, um, and, and I've determined this over the years. I mean, there are a lot of people who use kink as therapy, and I would say that is a huge, huge, huge mistake. Now, I am not saying that our activities that we engage in uh, daily, and it can be kink-related or not, is um, uh, uh, something that you have to worry about. Well, should I cross the street because I may be anxious? Or should I do this or do that because I suffer from depression? Um, as long as you know yourself, are you well enough to play with people? And are you well enough to take a shot at what might happen as a consequence of your play. So you have to know yourself. And may I also add that um, um, uh, managing mental health challenges in the scene is just like managing mental health challenges at work or mental health challenges in the home at the dining table or mental health challenges when you're dealing with family or friends. It's the same thing, it's the same dynamic. Okay, in other words, you know yourself the best. What can you tolerate? What can you not tolerate? Now, this is a big part of negotiation as well. Before you negotiate a particular scene, if something is going to squick you or if something is going to hit you the wrong way, you know what that is. There's no question about that. You know what that is, okay? And you also need to have a partner in that particular kink scene who's aware of some of your issues, maybe not. You don't have to tell your partner your entire life story, particularly if it's a play partner only. 
Mm -hmm. Okay. Or just a friend with benefits. Or pick up play in the dance. Pick up play. Absolutely. You don't have to go through the whole song and a dance. But what you do need to say is, I might start to cry. Or I might tell you, excuse me, I might tell you, please, red. And you're thinking to yourself, whoa, red, what did I do? Nothing. Well, obviously something happened. Okay. And it is up to your bottom. As a dominant, now, it's up to your bottom to say, oh, hang on for a sec. You absolutely have to know yourself. So for me, I'm a childhood abuse survivor and adulthood abuse survivor. And I have a very specific trigger. No hands in front of my face. No hands coming towards my face. No toys coming towards my face. Not even to switch hands. There is absolutely nothing that could come towards my face, especially from behind. As a, you know, abused as a child, I I got a lot of backhands and a lot of uh, abuse that I didn't see coming. So I, and I don't go into my childhood at all. I just say very clearly, nothing in front of my face, no gags, nothing, not even in passing, not even just to, you know, touch one side of your face and you scratch the other. I can't have anything like that, period. Right. So that's Full part of your negotiation. <clears throat> and I have never had a, a, a dominant, not even pick up play in the dungeon. I've never had a dominant say to me, oh, I, uh, that's ridiculous. I can't do that. Yeah, right. Now, there are a lot of um, uh, toys. There are a lot of activities that are related to, uh, you know, from the neck up, let's put it that way. But you have just negotiated a position, and that's all there is to it. So there's nothing wrong with that, right? Yes. Okay. But I think what we have to watch, though, something that we be aware of, and this is what I've seen. I've seen this on Instagram. I've seen this in various social media, uh, Facebook. There are kinksters who call themselves professionals. And they say, uh, they put out their shingle that says, oh, let me help you process your trauma through kink. Whoa. I can help you process your trauma through kink. I have never seen that. Where did you see that? Oh, I've seen it several times because I'm, I do the, I do the Instagram. I, and I do all the social media. For Hang on to that thought for yes. one second, because I was just going to mention about Instagram. If you're listening to the podcast right now and you've got a question, we are here to answer that question. Yes. We love Instagram. So and I monitor shoot us Instagram. a message through IG and we will respond answer to you. We'll answer it. Within, something. Usually within, 40, uh, within yeah. 24 hours. Right. And sometimes... Even sooner, sooner. (laughs) even sooner. Um, So I have been seeing and what other people have been posting and it it is concerning. So this is why I'm bringing this topic up or this particular point is because we're straight shooters here and we really care about your health and your education and your care. Please, 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 100% please do not process your trauma through a kinkster pretending to be someone who can help you process your trauma through kink. As someone who has been doing intensive trauma recovery for the last 11 years, uh, I understand what 
the trauma therapeutic experience is like. You have to be a trained professional to be trained. You have to be trained in trauma therapy. There's very specific additional treatment that, you know, study that you can conduct. Please do not go to these pseudo kink professionals who are saying that I can help you process your trauma through kink. That is a recipe for disaster. Now, you're not talking about people that we would find, like, for example, through the uh, National Coalition for Sexual Freedom. You're not talking about finding kink-aware professionals. You're talking about people who set themselves up as life coaches with a specialty in helping you process your your childhood trauma through BDSNM. BDSNM with no psychological... Uh, therapeutic, trauma-informed um, psychologist, social worker, uh, licensed clinical therapist. Like, there has to be some sort of training. You can't just be people... kinky and put out a shingle. And... Right. What do these people feel their uh, um, uh, qualifications are to be able to uh, to, to uh, engage Life in Life coach. Life coaches. That's, that's enough. That's enough. And kinky. And there are, but there are a lot of programs out there that are offered, not just to the professional uh, psychiatric community, but also to just people in general. You'll find them on Facebook. You'll find them on IG. You'll find them everywhere, actually, where for a certain amount of money, they will give you a certificate in trauma counseling or whatever the case may be. Primarily, these things are directed towards people who are already in the field, but not always. Right. You can even see a disclaimer that some of them will say this is for, you know, people who are already in the field. But uh, if you are, you know, a layperson, so to speak, you can get access to this, too. Not a good idea, huh? It's I would hate for the particular person with the trauma to find themselves in a situation where they have a complete and total breakdown and their kinky quote-unquote therapist is now completely untrained and and unable to manage the situation in a way that's therapeutic and where you leave intact you know um like i said trauma informed therapy and working on your traumas through therapy it is is very challenging and sometimes you leave a little you know you leave a little broken but in the whole you're better for it because you have to address it in order to heal it and it takes a little time it's not something that happens uh from the beginning uh to the end of a session is an hour and you can't solve life's problems in an hour it does take some time mental health challenges are are uh you know uh on a spectrum some of them are not as difficult now, as others. Now that we've said this, I'm going to give us a uh, very small caveat. Okay. That it's this is not to say that you can have curative and healing effects of S&M in your life. Absolutely. Have I done cathartic releases and cathartic scenes? Absolutely. Where I end up bawling at the end of the scene and and yes. But it is not the sole intent of kink to fix these traumas and heal these traumas. That's what I'm saying. Does it have curative and healing effects? 
absolutely. But it is not the avenue to manage and deal with these traumas. That is the therapist and the and that type of environment where you can be supported through the releasing of such traumas and because and, you can't heal a trauma until you speak it. Right. Um, so there are plenty kink-aware professionals yes. in, in this regard. I mean, yes. of course, there is the typical uh, um, source that we all tend to use when we're looking for people who are kink-friendly, which is the National Coalition for Sexual Freedom. They're, they are a good resource, and you will be able to find kink-aware uh, professionals uh, therapists, psychologists, uh, doctors, whatever the case may be. And that's the place to look into it. So let's face it, guys, you need a therapist, not a scene, to be able to deal with yes. a lot of the issues that we talk about. Also, um, uh, there are lots of other behavioral health resources as well. Uh, you know, calling a friend is always a really good uh, option. But there are crisis text lines. There, there are helplines. There's veterans lines, suicide prevention lines, uh, telephone and text support. Um, there's peer support. There is also the uh, lifeline, the 988 line, that has become uh, uh, operable over the last couple of months. That's supposed to be really good. Some people don't like it. Other people uh, find it uh, to be of some help or whatever. Essentially, these, these places are resources. Mm. Okay, but if you do keep in mind the fact mm-hmm. if you're suicidal, these places, uh, these services are trained. The people who answer the phone, rather, or or the texting, they are trained to ask you uh, to find out whether or not you're suicidal. That's going to be the first uh, line of of uh, of inquiry from them to you. Are you suicidal? Do you have a plan to do yourself in? And the reality here is, if you do. Uh, it's how intense is that plan? In other words, do you have the means to kill yourself? Do you have the opportunity to kill yourself? Do you have the uh, uh, plan to do it right away? What's the timeline? Things Do you have whatever it is? Um, if you say yes to all of these, in other words, if you have the rope right now, you have a place on which you are going to, uh, you know, uh, find yourself in the, uh, the right uh, way to use that rope, Mm-hmm. yourself if you have all of that and the intention there's a good chance that professionals are going to be called to help you because on these lines we can trace calls and i say we because i am a volunteer with the crisis text line i do this twice a week i talk to people on the on uh, on um, uh, online text it's a text service um so the reality is is if you say yeah I'm ready to do it. I have the means. I have the opportunity. I have everything ready to go. Um, I'm going to up that to my supervisor. My supervisor is either going to get a hold of uh, the um, uh, emergency response in your area, some sort of EMT process, or with nothing else, police. This is one of the reasons why um, this issue that I'm talking about right now, uh, this is one of the reasons why um, uh, you want to have mental health professionals answering these calls rather than police. Police mm. are not necessarily trained. Now, some are, okay? We're lucky here. We're, we're uh, um, uh, coming to you out of uh, the great state of New Jersey, which happens to have uh, some terrific 
processes in place for mental health um, help. And um, we're very lucky in that regard. Our big cities here uh, have our emergency responders trained in mental health, okay? Uh, but this is certainly not the case across the country, that's for sure. So my point being, however, um, there are a lot of behavioral health resources. If you need them, use them, okay? The scene is not the place to work it out. Now, any activity that we participate in, of course, is gonna be colored or flavored by our history of who it is that we are, what we bring to the table, mm. needless to say, okay? But we don't want to bring to the table um, and have to deal with things in terms of um, other people we're dealing with who don't know anything about it or don't know what to do. So, um, like I said, you don't need a scene. You need a therapist. And the reality, too, Let's face it, folks. Uh, the topic is you need a therapist. Well, so do I. Who doesn't need a therapist? Who doesn't need somebody to, to talk to, to listen? Exactly. exactly. And I think these, these, the text line and the, the 988, I think is so wonderful because um, there was a period in my life where I was very close to suicide and I... What I, I got intervention and I was able to get an appointment the very next day with my therapist and she said, I don't think you really want to kill yourself. You just want the pain to stop, the pain, the emotional anguish and the des desperation. I said, yes, that's it. I don't really you want to kill myself. I just want someone to hear me. I want to tell somebody something so a lot of times you don't want your neighbor to know or your friends or your brother or your sibling or your roommate or the people closest to you so that's why these these text lines are great because you could tell them things that you wouldn't tell your partner you wouldn't tell your roommate or your best friend or Sometimes they're just too big in, in your side inside and you just need someone else that you can tell it to. So please, if you're ever in a situation where you are in distress, mental anguish, desperation, and you just need someone to listen, sometimes that's all it takes is just having someone to listen. Absolutely. But if you bring it to the scene, then you're... Pick a play partner in the dungeon is now suddenly listening to you, you know, tell them something that, that they are not prepared to, to hear. They can't handle. Um, and maybe they're getting triggered because that's a situation for them. So you have to, when you do the pick up play in the dungeon, you have to be mindful that, that, it's not a therapy session and certainly not a therapy session with someone that you just met 20 minutes ago in a class. Um, like we had mentioned before, know yourself. Hey, if I stick around and watch this breath play demo, I'm going to freak the fuck out and then I'm going to leave very abruptly. 
a lot of times, too, we'll see people in a dungeon situation or at a play party doing things which we would never do uh, because it is uh, above and beyond anything we would consider, okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to make value judgment and say that's healthy play, that's not healthy play. I don't know the people involved. I don't know what they've gone through. I don't know their level of play expertise. Uh, I don't even know who their partner is. Maybe this is somebody they know very well, uh, whatever. So I'm going to, you know, keep it judgment-free as far as I'm concerned, except when I see certain things in a dungeon, dungeon atmosphere when it's very obvious, it's very obvious to everybody who's watching it that there is, shall we say, um, a problem with this person who is uh, doing what it is that they're doing. And we've all seen that. Yes. We've all seen it. When scenes go too far. And what's the curative of what do we do in that situation? We get the DM involved. That's right. Absolutely. That's right. We get the That's DM right. involved and let them make the final judgment. Because right. if you interfere with the scene, and then it might be blow into right. a situation that needs If you're in a dungeon and you're watching a woman getting whipped or a man getting whipped and this person's going to lose consciousness and then be brought back to awakeness and then brought back to losing consciousness again. They pass out because of the intensity of the scene. Uh, Methinks there could be something definitely uh, wrong there. You would then go... Get another opinion. Get the DM involved. Right. Because they have the power to stop the scene. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've seen things that... um, uh, that I think are over the top. There's no question about it. At big events in particular, it always seems to me like there is somebody uh, who is not just using the scene as therapy, but is using the scene to become um, uh, notorious and talked about Mm. and things along those lines. And one might wonder, is that, you know, is this person mentally ill? I mean, you know, why are they doing that? You know, what, what is the whatever? Well, it's not ours to judge that, but what is ours is to, uh, to bring it up in conversation, to talk about it, to um, uh, see just what the hell is going on. See, now, this is, again, the society and the culture that we live in, any sort of mental health challenge is instantly stigmatized. Yes. Um, it's it's a huge problem, and I in my therapist's office there was actually a sign that said most people are in therapy to deal with all the people who don't go to therapy. That's right, absolutely. So there is a huge stigma attached to mental health. You challenges. would think by this stage of the game, here we are in the twenty first century, okay, in the second decade of the twenty first century, you would think a lot of this at this stage of the game would have disappeared. But unfortunately, that is not the case. No. Okay. And in fact, now, particularly after the whole COVID uh, business, there seems to be a greater need for mental health, uh, or I should say, really, I should say behavioral health um, uh, needs greater now than it than it's ever been before. And it just, it, it crosses uh, or comes across, I think, everybody's life, either directly or their immediate family, friends, uh, maybe just more distant family, whatever it happens to be. But you're not going to get through this life without meeting people who need help. And you may be one of them as well. And that stigma about asking Uh, for help, we've got to forget about that. We've just got to forget about that. 
Okay, you can't stand on ceremony or have some kind of pride. Uh, or, or think, oh, not me. Not you. Right? I'm I'm stronger than that. Right. I'm, but the 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 irony of the I'm stronger than that. Not completely realistic, because you may think you're being stronger, but your behavior. It still comes out in the behavior. So you may think I'm so strong, I don't need mental health, but then you go you know, that person go home and and that person will beat their spouse or that person will yell at their kids or and they think, Oh, I'm handling it fine but you're not. You're not handling it fine. You're and you're yelling at your wife, or you're yelling at your husband, or you're yelling at the kids. You know you're you're not handling it as well as you could. And wouldn't it be better for all your relationships if you can acknowledge, hey, I've got a I've got a problem. I I went through the same metamorphosis. I was such a terrible person in my early marriage to my husband. And then I finally said, I don't want to be this way. And I said, I grew up this way. I don't want to do this to the person I love. And so I had to say, hey, I need help. I don't want to be like this. I want to be yelling at my husband all the time and be angry all the time. So there is that stigmatism that healthcare is somehow your damaged goods it, you know, and I used to believe that. I called myself the walking wounded. I'm a survivor now because I got help. Because I asked for it and I got it. And you have to find someone that works with you. I, I've been through a number of therapists that were good in the beginning, but they weren't trained in the trauma that I was experiencing and the trauma that I was trying to heal. So I actually went out and did my research and found a trauma-informed therapist that works with dissociative issues and, and different types of the problems that I was having. So when you look at yourself, you have to be objective, but you also have to be honest. Hey, I really have a problem with this. I need help with this. And once you have that, you become a wholer, more healed person that you can now go into the dungeon with. This wholer, healed person. And you can, your experience is going to be so much better because you've healed parts of yourself that were getting triggered, that were acting out and causing irreparable harm in relationships. Um, so we... We want to be able to do that. We know there's a stigma. We know that it's unmanly. You know, I'm doing air quotes, unmanly to acknowledge that you have mental health. Um, and in knowing yourself though, I also want to bring up this very interesting topic that I have seen bandied about for 25 years that I've been in the scene. It has been said that child abuse causes you to be kinky or into S&M or has a, you're more prone 
to be kinky and into S&M if you were, uh, oh, you were abused as a child. Is that why you're into S&M? Is that why you're into kink and BDSM and power exchange? And From your own experience, would you say that there are a huge number of people that you know in the scene who were victims of child abuse? I don't know. I really, I, I mean, I know there have been several studies that is leaning in that direction that childhood abuse st- actually correlates to those types of kink and things. But on the other hand, I have to tell you, from my earliest, um, I don't have a lot of memories of my childhood, but the ones, some of the ones I do have, I was always into kink. I had bondage fantasies from when I was very, as young as six. I had spanking fantasies much younger. Um, so yes, I was abused, but it was also who I am from a child. And you think, oh, children aren't sexual. They are. We're all sexual beings from the moment we're born. It's just what we do with it. Our thoughts are still our thoughts. Whether we act on them or not, they're still our thoughts. So I had a lot of fantasies growing up. I think many people are going to to identify with that. And I'm going to tell you they had the exact same things. So did I. Um, I I, uh, I, I started my... uh, um, domination um in terms of uh you know uh exhibiting it in 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 my personality very very young five six years old probably even younger than that but i don't recall it um so it's just part of who i am from a very very early age however um this is so interesting. I'm not going to go into any personal stuff about, uh, you know, abuse and, and, and things along those lines. But I will say that there have been so many studies, several studies, at the very least that I have read, but many more, who um, investigate whether or not um, uh, child abuse uh, is, has a commonality with BDSM. And many of the, the, the so-called scholars uh, tend to define BDSM desires as dig this dysfunctional mm-hmm. coping strategies uh, arising from uh, adverse childhood experiences. Actually, there is a note: the DSM four, yeah, which is the gold standard right. for uh, psychologists, therapists, uh, and has all of the disorders. Right, we. Uh, BDSM has been removed f- from the DSM four. Right. So, you know, yay for kinksters. And, well, it's been know. removed as as a as uh, a, a pedophilia. Pe- yeah, it it's it's um it's been removed in terms of um uh, a diagnosis a diagnosis a pathological a pathological pathological right. diagnosis. Now, we were talking a little bit earlier about, you know, issues that we all have. In other words, hello, we're all neurotic as hell. There's no question about it. You can't, you can't survive in this world without being neurotic as hell in one way or another. There's no question about it from my mind, that's for sure. But um, 
adverse childhood experiences? Is that why I desire to be, uh, you know, uh, involved in, in, in the scene? I, I don't know about that. I think, I think you know, scholars say, well, uh, a previously abused child uh, falls into this repetitive cycle of abuse by putting um, uh. yourself or others in comparable circumstances. In other words, you're reenacting familiar. it. It's familiar and you're reenacting it. Okay. Yep. So there are many studies that say a relationship between early childhood abuse and masochistic activities has been established. Quite a few of these studies you'll see. However, um, I, I, I have to say that there are degrees, and this is why people who are laymen cannot understand this and cannot go far enough to determine what these issues are. For example, I'll give you another study which said that submissive women uh, who were diagnosed with um, uh, borderline personality disorder had mm. prominent uh, childhood sexual abuse proportions. That's what they call it in, in these, um, I love this, Prominent childhood sexual abuse proportions, what they called it in the study. In other words, you were sexually abused, now you have a borderline personality disorder and you're involved in the scene. Um, I would say, take a break. Take a break, you need a therapist, not a scene. If this is how you have been diagnosed, there are a lot of things about borderline personality disorder which are not understood. And a lot of it um, can be um, uh, treated, however, mm -hmm. and successfully treated. There are new forms of therapy like DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy, which goes a little bit farther than cognitive behavioral, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, the, the, the realities here is, is that we're talking about something that's very intense. People with borderline personality disorder have a propensity to hurt themselves okay, um, cutting, uh, harming, all those kinds of things, or even um, um, uh, food issues, mm. uh, eating disorders, things along those lines, okay, suicide attempts and things. Take a break. This is not, you don't need a scene. You need to talk to somebody. Um, and if you've already been diagnosed, you are obviously talking to people, and you know what you can and cannot handle if you are going to be in a scene, okay? But the, this essentially is, is, you know, an age-old question. If I am mentally ill, what can I do safely, what I cannot do safely, you know? It's an issue, and it is a spectrum. There's no question about it. But when you are not feeling good about mm. yourself, mm -hmm. and you've decided, well, if I don't have a decent scene tomorrow night at the dungeon at the party... On Sunday, I'm going to, you know, take pills and, and with alcohol and kill myself. This is a problem, okay? And again, um, ask for help. Make a telephone call. Do something. Or call your own shrink, whatever the case may be. But you don't need a scene, okay? Yeah, and I... I you need a session with your shrink. At the risk of getting unhappy mail... From yeah. our listeners. Sure. But uh, we're straight shooters, so I'm going to say it. There is, a, there is a difference between having a scene, a humiliation scene, or having a scene where, you know, you, you get whipped 
and to the point of passing out. Sometimes, like in people who cut themselves, they're harming themselves, but they get a, 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 a feeling from it. They get a high from it. A lot of times, uh, so I can say a lot. Sometimes people are punishing themselves and they use kink to do it. And that, to me, that your friend that was getting beaten up right. and passing out, beaten up and passing out, and they wake her back up. That, to me, we were talked about how intense and how dangerous and how that was so, uh, uh, just so awful of a scene. We do those things to ourselves because we don't get the avenue of help that would actually help us and we punish ourselves. And I've seen that before and that disturbs me. So I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are going to now comment that they're totally fine, they don't have issues, they don't need help and they enjoy being you know, punched on consciousness. I'm just saying what I've, what my personal experience is and how we punish ourselves instead of getting help because of the stigma. Oh, I can't let anybody know I'm, I have these thoughts. I can't let anybody know that. So how do I manage those thoughts? Well, here, let me go get the shit kicked out of me until I'm unconscious. Um, we would much rather have you say, fuck, I just can't handle this shit. I can't, I can't take this anymore. I need some help. Guarantee you, if you ask for the help and you are consistent, you will get it. It takes work to heal. Healing is never easy. And but the other it's thing so worth too it. is not only is it so worth it in that regard, but avoiding a lot more problems that can come your way if you keep denying denying yeah. denying denying you're going to end up you know with other issues um addiction issues right right and think and then you you start destroying your relationships one by one right and you start wondering why right. you have no friends right and your second husband just left right you know or your wife just left I have found that there are many people um, in, in my years of experience in the scene, as such as it is, many people, many scene people, many players are in recovery. Alcoholism, addiction uh, to other drugs, and uh, uh, oh. whatever else. Yeah. What? I want to, you said uh, in recovery. Right. The last couple of years and the last couple of kink events that we've done that we've right. seen they are now having 12-step groups as a class as a, a gathering as a group hey uh recovery people are meeting at three o'clock in avenue room c you know or what uh, room c or avenue room or like i was like wow that's amazing so that, that there is recovery and it's starting to make itself known in our kink scene and, and these kink events because they are scheduling these 12-step groups right. in, in 
and as a part of right. the kink community and the kink event for that right. weekend. And I've also noticed they now have ombudsmans ah. for resolution. Right. That's new also. Now, you can see with everything we've been talking about, how you can run into problems at an event, how you can run into problems in, in a, um, uh, at a, even at a play party, okay? Uh, people can cause a lot of issues, all right? Uh, there can be consent violations that people imagine as opposed to being real mm. um, because of the um, um, their experience that they bring into whatever yes. it is that they're dealing with. For example, again, studies have shown that um, um, abused, sexually abused women, as particularly as children and teenagers, have more submission fantasies um, compared with the general population. Now, I find that absolutely fascinating. Um, the uh, therapeutic community says that it can be, that kind of thing can be explained, okay, because uh, previously abused individuals are more likely to develop what people, some people might call pronounced helplessness and apprehension towards uncontrollable punishment and aggression. Therefore, these people, they're repeating or reiterating prior physical and sexual traumas. And so uh, masochists are trying to escape, according to, you know, professionals, their stated or their uh, supposed vulnerabilities by voluntarily embracing, okay, yes. uh, BDSM activities in a more, uh, shall we say, so, uh, acceptable setting. Okay, so um, it's well known I'm an abuse survivor, I'm a masochist, I'm a, a Sam, a smart-ass masochist, and when I do a scene, I am in control. I mean, we could have another comic, another debate about who's really in control of the scene, but for me, it's, hey, I'm in control of this. I could say no at any time. That is a privilege that was not afforded to me in childhood. The privilege that says when I say no, it stops. Boom. Done. So there is some curative and some healing and some retaking of our power and retaking of our strength when you are an abuse survivor. Um, how about the other side? I mean, we're talking about it uh, as submissive, submissive women, maybe even some submissive men. What if you're? What if you are a sadist? You know, what? What are the? What are the studies? And and remind me that I have issues about these studies anyway. But mm-hmm. um, in terms of sadism, um, uh, previously abused uh, people who identified as a sadist today, is it an attempt to gain control over prior, prior trauma? You know. Can you um, um, uh, can you say that uh, that a sadist is mirroring? Again, we're talking about being abused as a child. Mm. How's it showing up today in terms of our of our activities in the scene? Um, uh, are, are sadists mirroring behavior that they were subjected to uh, themselves as children? Are they now subjecting it to mm. others? Um, is this the attempt to gain the control over the prior trauma? I mean, these are all really interesting questions. Now, I mentioned about the studies. Remind me that, 
you know, what, what's the issue that I have about studies. Most of these studies that you find, and obviously I'm getting fed these studies by, uh, by people who are in the field. I am not a, uh, a shrink, a psychologist, a therapist or anything. I am a trained crisis counselor, but I, that's it. Okay, so I don't have a, you know, a social work degree. But in any event, um, uh, it just seems to me that um, putting two and two together, what does it come up with? It comes up with a four. And a lot of times people don't want to figure out that four. Mm -hmm. They don't want to go into that two and two and determine what it was that happened. I remember asking uh, a submissive uh, uh, male who uh, uh, was a good friend of mine, but I also played with him. I remember asking him, you know, uh, he was a a shrink, by the way, and I remember asking him, like, you know, what do you think brought you here? Why are you here in the scene? Why are you doing what it is you're doing? And he uh, looked straight at me and said, I don't want to talk about it. Mm. Okay. I mean, I think that's really fascinating. It really is. I don't know who he was talking to. I never asked him about it. But I never brought it up again because I just didn't think that, you know, uh, there was a point to discussing it. He didn't want to talk about it. Okay, fine. Um, It's it's really really very, very interesting to me. Um, You know, we're complicated people. Mm -hmm. Everybody is complex. Everybody. You know, comes from something. Comes from something. And most of what it is that we do, you know, most of what's motivated us, we can, you know, drill down, drill down, drill down, and find out what the hell that is, what is motivating us. But is it important? When is it important? When does it become an issue? See, this is what I was just thinking a moment ago when you were talking about these studies. Does it really fucking even matter? And not only that, the studies are obscure and very, very small amounts it, of subjects. They send out, you know, with these studies, this yeah. is what you're going to find. They send out a questionnaire, okay? And they have people self-report on on the questionnaire. And then, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the people who are running the study uh, make conclusions based on, generally speaking, a very small sample. And not only a very small sample, but, and I don't know how you say this uh, scientifically, but uh, a group of people who were, are fundamentally the same. For example, if you go to, um, uh, I'll, I'll just say for the hell of it, Turkey. Okay, you go to Turkey and you recruit 20 people to talk about this, and then you publish a study. What the hell does that mean? Right. Okay. It matters not if you were abused as a child in terms of liking kink or not. If you like it, love it. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Um, I just found it fascinating that people just automatically said, oh, you're kinky? Were you abused as a child? It's like a... but. Most of the time, that comes from b- vanilla people who find out I'm kinky, and they make assumptions like that. But I think this is a huge topic, and I and I think that it was an important conversation to have. And I just like to, in closing, um, let's just review because we did cover a lot. Um, we we said that yes. We all have some some mental health challenges, some more than others, uh, depending on our life and things that have happened to us. And but it doesn't preclude you from playing. 
You just have to know yourself, know what you're capable of, know how to have a good communication with a, with a dominant or a bottom, uh, good negotiation skills, good communication skills, know how to manage your triggers. May I add something else also? You know, a dominant can stop a scene just like a submissive can stop a scene. Mm -hmm. If you think it's going too far, you're getting a reaction from somebody that is overkill, as it were, okay? And you get a little squicked or a little disturbed or a little worried, whatever the case may be, can always take a break, mm -hmm. okay? Remember, too, that aftercare can be very, very therapeutic, Mm -hmm. And not so much in a shrink sense, but just in a belonging sense and in a calming sense and in a um, caring. caring, caring, thoughtful, caring, kind, all that kind of stuff sense. That is very important, too. But if something's happening and you're the dominant and you're getting too much of a reaction mm -hmm. or if you think that your bottom is having too much of a good thing, stop it. Stop it. You're the dominant. You do it. Do it. Do it. Stop right. it. Say, we need a break. We can go back to it later or whatever. You know, if it seems to you uncomfortable that your submissive has just burst into uh, racking uh, sobs and, 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 and uh, you know, trying to catch their breath and stuff like that. Um, obviously, something's going on. Stop it. Stop this thing. Don't wait for them for, to red. Stop it. Okay, you yeah. need to take a break and be aware that pickup play mm. in the dungeon, folks. Keep it easy. Okay, you don't know what you're dealing with. Right. They don't know what they're dealing with with you. You don't know what you're dealing with with them. Now, of course, I'm talking about people you don't know. That's what pickup play is all about. Okay, right. we're not talking about an old friend who shows up at the same event and then you go to play. I'm talking about people you don't know. All right, take it easy. Take it easy. All right. Yep. And watch what you're doing. Certain types of scenes are more likely to bring out traumatic expression than others. Mm -hmm. You know, nothing like experience, nothing like watching and things along those lines. And may I add, don't play games. Don't play games. OK, don't don't, you know, play uh, mind fuck uh, type uh, 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 activities. Yeah, we would call that edge play. Edge play. Don't do that with people you don't know, number one. And number two, um, you may be dealing with somebody who has uh, some bad experience in that arena. Yep. Okay. So wh what are we saying essentially here? We are saying that being abused as a child does not make you into a BDSM player. And it doesn't make you a bad person. And it doesn't make you a deviant, regardless of whatever... Other people who refuse to get therapy want to call you and stigmatize you. And if you are having mental health challenges, if you are desperate um, or s depressed or you're having mood swings that are just like constant and just cycling, acknowledge, hey, I, I need some help and go get it. Go find it. Kink Aware Professional Directory on the NCSF the website. The National Coalition for Sexual Freedoms. And you, you know, you could say, well, I don't have anybody. I don't have insurance. There still are services that you can get. 
Planned Parenthood has a sliding scale. Uh, as much as I know that the right wants to shut down Planned Parenthood because they do good work. Here in New Jersey, we have a, a tremendous variety of, uh, of, of, of behavioral health providers. We really do. Not every other state or country is as lucky as ours, uh, where I live. But the reality here is you can find it if you really need it. Right. Again, I'm going to mention things like the crisis text line, Nine, other eight, health eight. lines, veterans line, suicide prevention lines, tech support, peer support, veteran support, the 988 number, whatever it happens to be. Many kink aware professionals out there, okay? If you need therapy, go get it. Do not use the scene as therapy. Anybody has a question about this or an issue about yes. this or wants to, uh, you know, share their own personal experiences? In other words, should you come out to your therapist right away? My short answer is yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. The first episode, like right. in the first appointment. And you know what? You might have a therapist who says to you, as I had one once, say, I can't handle that. I can't handle that. I, I don't think I can help you. I can't handle that. Well, good to find that That's out. That's good information. Very good information. To have. Okay. And we have email, too. Yeah. You can send us a message on Instagram. But we also have email at tkw at two, the numeric two, kinkywomen.com. That's tkw at two, kinkywomen.com. You can sign up for the email newsletter. Every month you get a reminder that the um, podcast is launched. Yeah, come on. Let's do that. Sign up for it, folks. And you want your infographics? Let's get them. We got those, too. Yes, we do. And you get your free downloadable beginner's guide to kink, which is full of graphics. Yes, it is. And you also get uh, cool stuff every month in the email. A, a another freebie. So what are you waiting for? Come on. It's all good. <laughs> Join us. Let's go. Let's we're ready. Go. Let's go. We, we we really want you to behind us because we're behind you. Yes. Um, we're really trying to uh, increase the knowledge level. And education, education and support. Support. And having these difficult conversations. It, it's a forum to have these difficult conversations because kink is wonderful on so many levels, but it's also challenging too. And bad shit happens to you in, in the scene and can happen. And how do you manage it? Right. So <clears throat> we are always here for you. And we want to thank our loyal subscribers and our listeners and our followers. We are just so completely and amazingly overwhelmed by all of the support that we've been getting and we can't do it without you we do it for you right so is there a topic you want to hear about yes let's hear it then come on write us even if you disagree with us please we want to hear because we love spirited conversation. Right, but who would disagree with us? Oh, well, you know, <laughs> everyone's entitled to an opinion. I guess they are, for sure. To their opinion. Right. Um, but if there's certain things that you'd like to hear about, we're, yeah. we're there. Um, we um, we have some guests coming up. and Very uh, exciting times. It is. It's a very, very exciting time. And uh, we have some other things that are happening, some... Uh, 
some things that will surprise you as time goes on. Again, thanks for every, every yes. thanks to everybody for listening. And we will see you again next month. Yes, we will. Again, keep those cards and letters coming in. Bye. Thank you.